Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, I'm going to put on my um, measuring thing. Good. And then we'll go. My route is really haphazard, and also, Rob, I am going to run slower than you. Oh, well, I, well, don't run slow. I, I run the same speed, otherwise oh. I'll just get further and further. <laughs> that wouldn't work. <laughs> Let me just uh, um, bring uh, the listeners in on this morning. It's running commentary. The voice you can hear is not Paul Tonkinson. Uh, it's, uh, it's my very welcome guest, Shabrak Corsandi. Ah, thank you very much. That was a beautiful pronunciation of my name yeah. for the artist formerly known as Shappy called Sandy. Yeah. Although I am still Shappy, you know you can still of course, call me Shappy. You'll, you'll always be Shappy to me, but I'm yeah. happy to, you know, correct things up as things move with the times. But we'll get to that as well. So we've got so much to talk about. So Paul is still uh, injured. Yes, he's, what's we, wrong with him? He's got, a, he's got a groinal injury. Oh no. It's nice that you asked because he wouldn't be happy if we didn't use the word groin a few times. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the way back though, we're just taking extra care that he doesn't get injured again you know he gets fully recovered yes and also you know we've got lots of lovely friends comedians runners old pals did you just get bored of his company and then kick him in the groin (laughs) kicked him so hard in the nudges no it's not true so i came out it's really funny because we just met at northfield station yes and i was coming through west london to get we're going in the park nice Lammas Park. Yes. Nice. Welcome to Lammas Park. Woo-hoo. And um, yeah, I just suddenly realised that I know this place because I grew up in West London. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, we moved out to the country when I was in my early teens. Oh, right. So I thought, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought I was going somewhere completely new. And around every corner, it's like, oh, yeah, I know this, I know that. So it was in Ealing you grew up? Well, not really. I was out in Heston. Oh, right. But my... Uh, my dad's family were in Fulham. Right. My mum's family were in Greenford. Yes, And there was a lot of travelling around, um, you know, grandparent action. And just all yeah. the streets around here are familiar to me. And the parks, not this one, though. So anyway, well, it is. to the show. I'll stop talking so quickly. Ealing is known as Queen of the Suburbs because of its 
um, amount of green spaces. Yeah. It's the greenest borough, I believe. Uh, as you said that, we came around the corner and there's a pushy mum's uh, group planking in Lammas Park. Yes. Which just kind of catches it, doesn't it? Do you say pushy mums? Well, just, I mean, that's what it's called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to character assassinate the mums in question. But they're planking. Do you plank? I used to plank. I used to live um, near... Hold on a minute. So I was one of those people that never really exercised. Right. I used to live in Brixton when I was married. And my ex-husband used to run every day. He still does. And I ran with him to Brockwell Park once. And I made the park gates. And then I had to go back home. <laughs> and then when I... Um, uh, well, yeah, when we separated, I needed to do something yep. with my head. So I started doing um, a park thing in Richmond Park, like a fitness thing. Yeah. And I got my fitness up. And then I found on the days where I wasn't doing it, my legs would be like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's they, go. Woken them up. They wanted yeah. To That's excellent. So I went from being someone that couldn't run for a bus to someone that had to run every single day around Richmond Park. And then when I moved to Ealing, I stopped <laughs> because I didn't have Richmond Park anymore. Right. But I've just started again, as you can hear. I'm well, already panting. And also, uh, Ealing is the queen of the suburbs because it's full of green spaces. Yes. I've heard. It is. You heard that from me just now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Do you find that when you are. first start running, like this bit's hard, yeah. and after the first kilometre, you sort of forget about your legs? Yeah, and the breathing, you know, you were just saying about panting. No yeah. matter how many times I do uh, chatty talking runs, yeah. particularly with recording, I just realise that there's a moment... Yeah, about five minutes in. Yeah. Where, and it's not even really to do with being uh, in any way exhausted. It's just about rhythm. Yeah. Where you're breathing and your legs and everything kind of go, oh, 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 and then yeah. they, just, they just settle in. Yeah. And basically, all your little yellow warning lights go off and your body just starts getting on with it. Yes, because I don't normally talk no. and run. Sometimes I see people in pairs going, yes, and then I told him that that's not the right school for my child. And then, well, have you tried that school? Like, I can't have, I can't do that kind of running. I need to be... Yeah, today you have in, to. Today I'm enjoying we myself. Right about schools. And I guess we had a moan about, well, I had my moan about schools before you turned all the apparatus I, uh, on. I was in uh, Victoria Park once, and there was this old guy in the uh, cafe. He was an old guy, but he was sort of dressed for exercise and stuff, and like a neckerchief. And he was talking so loud. Yeah. He was quite nice. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's, uh, don't think he's hard of hearing. Just something about it was just standing in the middle of this cafe, saying, "Yeah, I think I'm going to have a latte." <laughs> and uh, I, I heard him again later talking to his friend, and the whole thing, the penny dropped because he was a cyclist. Oh right. So he'd been cycling with his friend. <laughs> and they're shouting to each other on the bikes. Right. And he had not adjusted the volume when he stopped for right. coffee. Yeah, so. <laughs> he was talking at bike volume. And so often people like that are judged, aren't they? Yeah. The, the lycra wankers. Yeah. But actually, they're just fit people that have been doing shouting thing. at a volume and doing their thing. Yeah. This is a really nice park, by the way. Lammas Park. Thank you. Going on about being here. I've never been here. The place that was really evocative for me 
straight over the road from Northfield Station. It's called Ealing, Ealing Christian Centre. Yes. It's an old cinema. Yeah. It was an absolute favourite cinema of mine. I used to meet there. I think I used to get on the underground from Hounslow and my nan would meet me there because she was always happy to go to the cinema. Yeah. And uh, it's just the golden era. You know, I'd have been about 11 or 12. I think at that cinema I saw Ghostbusters, yeah. Splash, Back to the Future, um, all, all that jazz, great stuff. Hey, Return listen, of the Jedi. This fuzz is... Um, Touching my chin a bit. Oh, it's all right. So it's yours. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's for the best. So you live in Walthamstow now, right? Uh, not quite. Um, Newington Green. So, so like there's an old State cinema Newington. there. Is it open? That the Soho Theatre are converting into a Ooh. a massive venue. I think Excellent. that's what we should do. Yeah. With old cinema. Great. Well, if Soho Theatre opening up, then I can be sure to never be booked there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and me, actually, because that's a thousand-seater. And uh, I think I might be booked for the old charity event. <laughs> <sighs> but um, um, career aside, yes. um, you are Should running this again. You said you, you got back into it. But I know also one of the reasons I was keen to run with you today is you're doing a half marathon of the week. I am. I'm doing a half marathon on next Sunday. I don't know when this podcast is going out. Well, this will be out before then, hopefully. Ah, so yes. uh, keen listeners will be able to cheer you on. I'm doing the award-winning Ealing Half Marathon. Nice. Well, we just crossed the road and gone into a park. Is it a different park? Yeah, this is Walpole Park. Nice. And uh, in the war, this was used as allotments to grow vegetables for people. Yeah. Nice, good. That's nicer than Victoria Park, which I just mentioned, yes. which was a uh, huge gun battery. Right. They had massive guns for taking down the uh, bombers during the Blitz. I prefer vegetables. Yeah. But obviously, both necessary when the nation's under siege. Well, I mean, this Ealing was proper countryside back then. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading um, a biography of Charlie Chaplin uh-huh. and saying that he moved uh, from Brixton through to the countryside of Hanwell. Yeah. <laughs> which are on, on horse carts. So, nowadays... It's not that long ago, is it? It's crazy. No. Even when I was young, it was, you know, it's a different space. Apart from anything else, it was just like the war had just finished. Yeah. People had uh, shelters in the gardens. There was an air raid siren at the top of the road that they'd occasionally test out. There yeah. was some... Uh, Bombs, you know, buildings, they were long grown over, but they were basically old bomb sites. And this is way out in West London. Imagine what it would have been like where I live now, in, uh, in back in the 70s, yeah. even, let alone the 50s and 60s. Um, so, where did your folks move to after? I went to uh, the country. Oh, okay. We to the country. So, we lived in uh, uh, halfway between Oxford and High Wycombe. Nice. And I went to school out there. And then moved back to London when I met my good lady love and we followed her job back to town and then at first I used to do I came to London for a course doing a course in Highbury clown course oh yeah in uh, the mid 90s and I had that thing where London was absolutely terrifying not the circus Just, space no it was uh, up in a studio up on uh, uh, it wasn't the circus space it was a, a temporary space being used by uh, Philippe Ngolier oh was it um Philip. Yeah. Loads of people have done his course. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it was recommended because I had friends who'd done it and been to kind of Copenhagen and had this yeah. wonderful time, half a dozen of them clowning with the greats. And then when I was there, it was about 30 of us and he seemed bored and tired. And right. <laughs> but also he had his favourites and they had a great time. Yeah, and it's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. kind of slipped through the gaps, really. But I liked uh, in the... The theory was, was great. I just didn't get much practice. Whenever there's a course or any sort of nice thing, it's nice in it. Yeah. Um, there's always the people that absolutely loved it, and there's always the people that were left sort of slightly at the side, going, "What?" Yeah, exactly. Because if you're that much of a kind of guru, you don't have to do stuff that day-to-day teachers have to do, which is kind yeah. of look after everyone in the group. I was yes. really young as well. I thought I was going to think, I'll do this, I'll do that. But, you know, they would have thought, who's this kid? You know what I mean? Do you know what? Hang on. Let's pass these children. So I um, got really unfit after I had my daughter eight years ago. Like when I first moved to Ealing, I was still fit enough to run to Richmond Gate from Ealing, run through Richmond Park to Roehampton Gate, uh-huh. run to Hammersmith, and then get the tube home. Brilliant. How far is that? Um, I think it was about 14k, Yeah. something like that, I'm not some, 100% sure. Some distance. But then I just stopped. And then, I, you know, I put on a lot of weight in lockdown, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be like the young ones, talking about body positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just go into middle age. A bit potatoey, <laughs> and then I got rid of all my size eight clothes yeah. and bought myself some size twelve to fourteen clothes. Yeah. And actually, running's not for your figure, is it? It's for your head. Yeah. And that's such a cliche thing to say. Oh, but it's so true. It's, it's so, so true. true. We just find it over and over again. People often talk about running being good for mental health, but it's because. It's just worth repeating. It bears repeating. Yeah. It's one of those things that um, you, you find out and you whenever it works for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then I started to... I listened to um, Chris Evans' radio show in lockdown, and they're all about running. And yeah. then I read your brilliant book, Running Tracks. Thank you. And because another thing is, well, when I run, and you know, when you're a busy parent, often when I run is where I can indulge myself in music yeah. that I like. So, And then I discovered your podcast. And actually running with you to your podcast, having this lovely, carefully curated um, uh, song. What's it called? Playlist. Playlist. <laughs> Playlist. And then I thought, right, this is it. I'm going to do the marathon and I'm going to finish it. It's not going to be like the Brighton half yeah. when I finish in a really good time. I'm putting my ego aside about time. Yeah, yeah, because when it's connected to what you were saying, it's not about how fast you do it, it's about yeah. the doing of it, isn't it? Absolutely. So, it's, you know, now I've lost that weight again, I have to get rid of my size 12 to 14 clothes, <laughs> buy some... <laughs> you need some kind of clothes storage facility. I think I do. <laughs> I think I do, but no, it just... So, that, so it sounds great. You've been using the Running Tracks radio hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My goodness, It's brilliant really because it's just... When I was, like, running before, between you and me and everyone listening, I was going through a really tough time. Uh-huh. And I was running for survival without sounding dramatic. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I need help. I need a, I need a buddy yeah. that I can switch on and off. 
then put on pause if I need to. That makes me realise that we're doing this live, but I should have bought some records. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> and now something from classic era prints. Eminem is my. If I'm flagging, it's got to be Eminem. Lose yourself. Till I collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, well, that's excellent. And, and uh, yeah, it's half an evening. And uh, you did, when did you do that other half in Brighton? Um, I did it in 2012. Okay, nice. So a long time ago. And I did it in one hour, 50 minutes. Oh, that's good. And I'll be happy if I do this within two hours and 20. Yeah. Because well, I'm older now, you know. Yeah, and that's not much different, really. I think the main thing with... Uh, I think you're so wise. It's so true what you say about being cool about pace. But the nice thing, and you'll get a bit of that from doing an event, is you do want to do it... Oh, I, I want to use the phrase as fast as you can. But that makes it sound like you're absolutely leathering it. But what yeah. I mean is you want to do it at the pace that's within your power yeah. to get it done. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be out there all day and it will you know, just yeah. wet in. But uh, that's not the same as trying to get your best ever time. And the fact that you've got a great time and you remember it. and you, Yeah, you're, I'm so you're, proud of it. You're proud of it. So that can abide. Yeah, and also because I was like, you know, I didn't have the, the sports opportunities. I was going to say I wasn't a sporty kid, but I didn't have the opportunities. And because I was fat, I felt really embarrassed uh-huh. in games because, I don't know. Well, because... Because I was a kid and... And also because thinking was not as... Uh, as uh, what's it, elevated as it is these days. Absolutely. In terms of celebrating individuals and yeah. different ways to be healthy. and It is so interesting so when I talk to my children about stuff like that. They're like baffled. Yeah. Because it just doesn't exist in there. No, that's right. Culture. Oh, shame. When I was at school, when I went to secondary school, um, uh, that first winter, they, uh, games was, our first like term of games was indoor games. There's nothing specific. It was just that you know, the other half of the year we're out on the field doing football and stuff. And we were indoors doing basketball and various other stuff. Anyway, the reason I mention this is because the kit was shorts, socks and shoes. Right. We were expected not to wear tops. Or, uh, right. and they'd give us like tabards and they'd give oh, five boys little tabards and the other five would go, you go skins. Yeah. So we'll go tops, you go skins. Of course, these sort of... Uh, whippity lads who love games didn't even think about it I remember me and this other guy who were lardy you know yeah. just sitting cross-legged on the floor of the sports centre just feeling so horrible yeah <laughs> yeah. because you know, why was I sitting there with my top off that was weird weird isn't it self-image and this is like age 11, 12 you know yeah. the brink of puberty I mean for goodness sake I mean if there was a teacher there saying you guys are all great. We celebrate you, but not in an inappropriate way. Yeah. Then maybe that would have been fine. But I'll tell you what, that wasn't happening. No. We weren't doing that. No, it's very different now. It's, um, it's interesting to see how my own kids, are both, they're both of them really sporty. Yeah. And my little girl's eight. And um, she started doing athletics. So I bought her this athletics crop top and shorts. Yeah. And one morning, went to go for a run. And she's like, I feel self-conscious. Yeah. I was like, why? And she's like, because my belly's showing. Yeah. And I said, but you're wearing a sports top. Yeah. It's a warm day and we're going running. I said, right, when they take your top, your long T-shirt, 
And the minute you feel self-conscious, you wear it. She's like, fine. Yeah. We went for the run. We did just a mile. Yeah. And her cheeks are flushed. She's run beautifully. Yeah. And she's power walking home. Yeah. So confident. <laughs> I said, like, why do you think that you're not self-conscious anymore? She goes, because I'm strong. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. She's a freaking queen. That's how it makes you feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, isn't it? It's a nice counterpoint to what I was saying. Yeah. It was different then. But we found it. I remember. Yep. It must be quite a long time ago. But I remember when I was first running, I was going around with Edinburgh saying, who else is running? Let's run. Let's meet in the meadows and have a run. And you said, yeah, let's go. And uh, so we'd arranged to go for a run on the meadows during the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, and then yeah. I went out and did my show. I'm sure you went out and did your show. It may well have been a weekend. One, maybe someone had a late gig at Leighton Live or something. Yeah. Anyway, I saw you. We passed each other on the meadows uh, about 4 a.m., both on different uh, drunken adventures. Yeah. And I thought, there's no way she's turning up for a run in four hours from now, whatever it was. And you totally did. Yeah. <laughs> that was a mad summer of boozing and running. Yeah, which is... You know, not necessarily a healthy thing, but no. <laughs> something in there, something in the running abiding, you know, staying with that so kind of that thing. that was around 2011, 2012, I think. Right. And that was when the, the height of my um, broken-hearted yet living on adrenaline yeah. period in my life. A so kind of not necessarily positive hedonism. No. I'm <laughs> glad I survived it. Yeah. And it's nice to... And you kept up a relationship with running. I mean... I did, yes. Using, you know, I suppose we don't want to be using uh, alcohol to numb the pain. No. But at least if we're using running to numb the pain as well, uh, then we're on to something, right? Yeah, absolutely. And now it's just, um, you know, and I'm sure you do when you tell people you're doing a half marathon... You always say, so get someone going. I could never do that. And you think, that's, that's how I used to think. Yeah, yeah. But, but you don't run. I said to my friend the other day, don't run, walk. Yep, yep. That's all you do, you walk. Yeah. Walk for half an hour. Yeah. Whenever you feel like it, just put your shoes on. And then you're against your will. Your body will get fitter. And your legs will eventually pick themselves up. Yep. I get, I get really sad when people feel under pressure yep. to, um, to exercise. To perform, to do things that other people yeah. do. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this a moment ago. I saw the advert for the, uh, what do they call it when kids run a mile in the morning? Uh, the morning mile or whatever it is. Yeah. And I just feel bad because I know some kids aren't going to want to do that. Yeah. It was going to put some of them off it. It's for life. It just feels a little bit, it's just a bit too rigid for me. Though. Yeah, because not, not all kids are sporty. People's, no. like Cass, my son, he was, um, he's really sporty. He does so well in his football team and he runs. But that all happened once he went to high school yeah. and grew into his body. Yeah. And his... Uh, and made his own choices. Yeah, and his primary school teacher, uh, PE teacher, we saw him the other day. Just looked and went, oh, my God, you've lost so much weight. <laughs> I said, don't say that to my boy. <laughs> and he was like, no, but you've got to, you know what PT's are yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. They don't coddle. No, but, like, you know, not being funny, but he was quite, you know, chunky. Yeah. But now he's... So that pub is called the Red Lion. Uh -huh. And it's where Sid James 
used to drink. Oh, have you got your my phone turned out? Can you take a picture? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to stand there? Take yeah, a picture. I'll go, I'll go in, actually stand in the middle of the road and laugh until I get run over. <laughs> wait, wait. Here we go. I'm saying the sunshine, I really am in the middle. Say when. Done it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Sir James used to drink in there, did you say? Yes. Because we're near, um, uh, we're quite near Ealing Studios and the film yeah, to... Yeah, we're about to pass Ealing Studios. Great. Which they still, they still film stuff there. Do they still have comedy there? Or but the main building recently? is now flat. Yeah. There we go. Look, oh, yeah, Falcon. I, I, I am... Um, oh, gosh. There it is. Great. We've been showing the uh, kids eating films. The great thing is it's sometimes so dark. They really... Because they wear it so uh, so subtle. Yeah. But they really are... We talk about black comedy, but kind hearts and coronets and the lady girls. Oh, God, I love that. It's amazing what yeah. goes on. So, yeah, and there used to be a gig here... Yes. Nice gig. Um, run by there. Simon Randall, who That's now right. runs Headliners, which is it? Yeah. That was one of the first gigs I used to um, play at, and Peter Crouch used to go there because he's from here. Right. And then when he was in. That's a tall story. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want him sitting in front of you. Oh my goodness. There so it is. That's where the gig was, down the back uh, there. Yes. Such a great gig. And great. you know what I remember? when they had a night editing studios where it was all sketch comedy uh-huh. and it would be rammed. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be that same thirst no, for sketch comedy now. No, that wouldn't necessarily happen that, would it? Yeah. No, sketch gigs were quite... I suppose they do exist and there's also... It's a different kind of circuit, but... Yeah, they go straight online, don't they? Yeah. And I used to, of course, because it was kind of before the internet, I used to cross over the bunch of those guys. Mainly because of... Uh, Music, I think, or comparing. It was great to go to gigs with all different stuff, but also having that conversation with some uh, with a younger comedian at the weekend, saying how about how how much kind of alternative cabaret there used to be in stand-up. Yes. Back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s. Yes. So, uh, Woody Bot Muddy. Yes. Getting the audience to choose between records and either if they were good, he hammered them to the wall. Nail if it. they were bad, he smashed Save them. It, and yeah. in between, he rubbed rice into a broom. You couldn't do that now, could you? You could, and I remember seeing Woody Bot Muddy at Glastonbury. Yeah. Closing the show. Yeah. And I'd had a bit of a wild Glastonbury and lost all my friends. <laughs> and I just sat there. And it was like balm to my soul. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care so Just much about anything craziness. as much as I cared about which records to save. <laughs> so what do you have to shout out? Save it or smash um, it? I was always a saver. Yeah. I'm a bit of a, a bleeding Ooh. heart. And then he had that, that weird kitsch little kitten. Oh, and there's the Questers Theatre here somewhere, which is a brilliant... Um, Amdram Theatre in Ealing. Nice. There's also this little posh school. We saw some kids from it in the park just now. Yeah. They're lovely little hoodies. It's all very nice around here, isn't it? Yeah, their classes are very small. Yes. Like the actual physical classrooms. Yeah, their classes are very small, but their classrooms are very small, but their class is quite upper middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you very riche. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover there. Run. Run. Come and dream.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Are we going in? Again. Yeah, yeah. So this is Walpole Park. Walpole Park. We're back in the parks. I love um, it. I've just got that lovely feeling of freedom. People who listened to Running Commentary last week will know. I got horribly lost twice recently in Wales. And uh, it's nice today to run with you and, and realise that I'm not paying any attention to where we are. Yes. <laughs> you know what? No. Neither am I. Uh, oh, no. I was trying to be a bit more adventurous <laughs> than take you around to the same park. That's cool. But I can't breathe, run and think no. at the same time. Well, I mean, Paul said the other day that we think that there's something... Uh, healthy and because i i'm always a bit ashamed because i consider myself quite the orienteer yes orienteer i don't know someone who can read maps yeah. and yet in running it turns out i'm always getting lost and i think this is what we said this last week your one's left brain one's creative brain yeah the same bit that likes listening to music um gets ahead yeah basically gets ahead of the yeah. logistician and then the person with the map goes wait a minute where are we now so it's actually something quite healthy and get in, for particularly for someone a bit kind of neat freaky or, or obsessive to uh, get Use lost themselves, in. Yeah. Do you ever, when you're gigging out of town, somewhere, you know, miles away from London, unfamiliar, yeah. and you go for a run, you go, oh, there's some nice peaks around here. Yeah, yeah. And they get totally lost. Yeah. Like, it's noon. I've been running since nine. Yeah. And I don't know where my hotel is. That's one of those was... Uh, I was in blooming uh, Switzerland. Uh-huh. I was in Lausanne. Wow, that's and I beautiful. I run down to the uh, to the lake and back up, and I didn't take a phone, and uh, I just completely misjudged the scale of the town. So running down to the lake was not, you know, I sort of imagine it being about ten minutes. It was about four miles down the hill. I ran along it for a bit, started running back up, and. Uh, I just, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> I had no phone, no way of finding where I was staying, no way to tell the other comedian, you know, that I didn't know where it was and uh, maybe best go on to the gig without me. And just, had, I ran, so it was the furthest I'd ever run because I had to run 
just to, just to stay warm. Eventually, I found a massive hospital. I wasn't ill or anything. It was just quite near where I was staying. Yeah. <laughs> I had that in Richmond Park once. I just ran and ran, got lost. And I'm like, I'm never going to find my way out. Then I found the Royal Ballet School. Yeah. And I realised I was actually very near my gate. Yes. Oh, Lord. And then by the time you get there, you're like, I can't believe this is real. It's like some part of you is always still lost out there. Yeah. So and it's a classic episode. What made you stop running? I've read your book, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, well... Because I remember when years ago when you started to come to gigs with a healthy Tupperware box full of food. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's changed. Yeah. I just have to take some water. True story. No, I, um, I mean, I think there was a whisper of it throughout my life. Mm. Like, just as a, uh, you know, I was that kid, like, relating to what we're talking about. You know, if I wasn't such a born... Uh, rebel and resistor to authority. Yes. I probably would have enjoyed exercise at school more. Yeah. But you know, those times when they were telling me to run, I'm saying sod off. Yeah. And going, you know, and being being fat, which I was into. It's good for me. And then, uh, but I knew that I could go quite fast, and on occasion I'd do it. I had a bit of stamina, so it was kind of there, deep on the deep yes. on the hard drive, you know. Yes. Yeah, but I never did it, and then I dabbled a tiny bit. In my early 20s, I thought, I'm going to run for health. And I went and ran for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, and then just coughed all day because I'm mildly asthmatic. And at that point, I smoked quite heavily. Yes. So it was really not good at all. But again, there were the seeds were there. But, but we I'm, were the 90s, 20-year-olds, weren't we? Yeah, we were the 90s, 20-somethings. This is not a time for... It's not a healthy decade. For, for a couch to 5K, that's right. No. Anyway, I, uh, I sort of, like, like many... Um, person who has a relationship with uh, food, I, I sort of bust and boom down the years, and I got quite fit one summer, and then uh, you know, thought oh, I feel good, and then I put on loads of weight after that. Yeah. And one new year, I made a New Year's resolution to uh, uh, just to be healthy, but it was uh, no wheat or pastry, no calorific drinks. And uh, portion control, like, yeah. careful about how much I ate at mealtimes and not eating between meals. And deep down, psychologically, also, there was deep psychological stuff with, uh, with mums. My, uh, both my mother-in-law and my mum were very ill at the time. Oh, I'm sorry to hear And it that. just made me, uh, it changed my whole relationship with being parented. Yes. You know, and it's sort of like... Uh, my own, the child in me that was a feeder. Yeah. Um, you know, just matured and went away. And so the New Year's resolution stuck. And um, I lost two stone in about six weeks. And I wasn't even really trying. It just took. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, was, it was, the absolute victory of it was the moment. I could have done it any other year and gone, this is too hard, forget it in three days. But that year, 2008, it was just, it was like I'd been waiting for me to do that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so much so that I lost four or five stone in the end. And that summer, it was quite, I felt quite odd. And then in the autumn, I started running. And it took a kind of year of running for me to yeah. settle into my new shape yes. and physiognomy. And that was the beginning of the rest of my life. But yes. I think looking back in 2007, the sort of academic year, 2007 to 2008, I was really unhappy. But I hadn't really noticed so, you know, there you go. That's the true story of how I got into running. Back then, we didn't talk about the stuff we talk about now. No. You know, we didn't talk about self-care or anything. I was sat with um, 
some of the really successful women comics who are about 10 years younger than me, yeah. like the household names, right? Yeah. And they were talking about the apps that they use yeah. to come down after gigs. Wow, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I get this and that can really help me come down. I can sleep because they're so... Uh, industrious and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like the punk profession that we no. went into in the 90s. But also you just see that negativity about it. I mean, it's like um, I, you know, back then when I first, you know, uh, made that news resolution, yeah. I've been having a lot of very uh, um, unhealthy late night pizzas. Yeah. And most gigs are going to have a pizza. The cheaper, oh, buy one, get one free, I'll have two. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a really bad pizza habit. Yeah. And I thought, God, I'm really going to miss this. Anyway, jump forward to like a year and a half later. And I didn't miss it at all. I was thinking, I hated myself. Yeah. These pizzas would have sometimes have been punching myself it's, in the face. It was self-harm. That it's kind self-harm. of and, and when you look at it in terms of comedy, we were having this conversation again. I think maybe people are really seeing it now because people are getting back to it after lockdown. Yeah. But um, like Rich Wilson was there, me and him with the old guard in the dressing room. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about how the younger comedians were saying, were people more... Was there more substance abuse in comedy? And I think that's a long, a long time ago. That yeah. like before our time, that, that comedy was a very kind of a drugged up scene. Yeah. Basically, comedians behaving like rock stars. Yeah, that but wasn't again, the case. With it doesn't. Stars. It doesn't seem. There's a desperation to it. Yeah. I was someone saying a long time ago about doing a gig with someone who was. Uh, chemically heightened for their set at this massive charity gig and they were saying why would you get high to do that that is a high yeah you do five minutes of your best jokes to yeah. three thousand people you do not need drugs absolutely. to enjoy that <laughs> absolutely i remember a very clear moment in the 90s when it was the absolute end of my chemical life when <laughs> i yeah. thought Oh, I hate the sunrise. <laughs> that, that's not the sunrise is not meant to make me feel depressed. No, there should be joy there. There should be joy in the sunrise. Yeah. So I stopped doing all that. Well, it just goes to show that it was all we looking at it the other way around. You know, it was there for us. Yes. You, know? you were ready to uh, turn that switch off when the day came. Which yeah, is, and then like no matter what, no matter what state you got yourself into. I think you were still lucky if you were the sort of person, which I think you are, and I am, that still saw the bigger picture yep. and knew that what they needed to do ultimately to get themselves out of a funk. Yep. Um, I recently um, got help for attention deficit disorder. Yeah. So I'm on these tablets that target the part of my brain that organises the rest of my brain. Right. That's and clever. it's been a game changer. Yeah. And it's really made me understand how I have been. So what's the difference in your experience day to day? How does that, what are the... Um, I have no anxiety, Rob. Yeah. I didn't That's know good. that feeling that I constantly had was external. Like it wasn't, it was not external, but it was um, neurological. Right, right. Um... So, you know, uh, if I needed to make a decision about work or something went wrong or someone spoke to me funny, yep. I would lose sleep. I would be absolutely um, debilitated with anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And it was all to do with the fact that my brain couldn't process 
yep. emotions, it would scatter and yeah, it would yeah. go in all different directions. Just sprinkling into all the aspects <laughs> yeah. of your day. And now I have the same, you know, issues in my life because life is life. Yep. And I deal with it the way people that I was in awe of yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is bad, but we need to deal with it. We need to talk to them. Yeah. It's going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but we're going to have it. And we'll survive and just and live on, yeah. Bit of, um, yeah, just kind of a bit more grown up and it's helped me to um, understand my past a bit better. Yep. So there's a lot of healing, a lot of forgiveness. Oh, that's great. And all of that, so... It's been amazing. Well, that's good to hear, and it's nice to know that running is a part of it. Yes. And that it's back. Um, it is. The other thing, talking about being back, being back at Northfields here, I wanted yeah. to illustrate for the, for the listeners your reclamation of uh, Shabarak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, do you want to stop here, or should we go around one more little park? One more little park? Yeah. If you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Path. Oh, so... My changing my name from Shappy to Sharpalak is really... Sorry, I'll say it better. It's not... A, no, you say it perfectly. Thank you. It's no different, really, to you saying, look, I've been Rob professionally. Yeah. But from now on, can I be Robert? Yeah. Because that's the name my parents gave me. Rob was a way to make it easier for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And... But surely I think there's also maybe a more of a cultural depth yeah because you might have been uh, feeling like you had to i don't know make it easier for people in secular society or whatever absolutely because nowadays it's really considered um very culturally um unsophisticated to look at an unusual foreign name and say Oh, you're going to have to shorten that for me. I'll never get that. Yeah, yeah. Or the old, remember seeing the old clip of a newsreader saying, I'm not even going to try and pronounce yes. that. So that's privilege at work, isn't it, really? That's it. And, and we've moved on from that. You know, we've got Bakaya Saka and Raheem Sterling. They haven't yeah, shortened yeah. their names. And interestingly, they're from around here. Yeah. And they went to similar schools as I did. Yeah. But at my school, even though um, a huge... A uh, load of the kids had foreign names. We all shortened them. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was lots of Sunnies and Sams and... Yeah. Um, everyone was a bit shy about their long name. Yeah. And then what really turned me was... Um, I did a, an Iranian television show. Uh-huh. And they um, billed me a shot of Shappi. Yeah. And they, the, an Iranian TV show, didn't know my full name was Shappi. Right. And I was like... It's such a pretty name. Yeah. It means butterfly. So ah. I thought I want my my identity back, my name back. Yeah. Getting a bit too old for Shappy. Well, names and words are important as well, aren't they? Yeah. The things we call things. You get it a lot in kind of mythology and fantasy yeah. <laughs> novels. But it's, it's true. Nominative determinism is a thing. Yes. It's all to do with how we define ourselves. And it's interesting that it means butterfly because you very much... To, you know, you've changed from a shopper pillar into a... <laughs> I love that, a shopper pillar. <laughs> I remember you used to do a comedy about it when I first 
knew, I remember coming down to say, I think I knew you already. We'd gigged together and I followed you to that terrible gig in Stoke Newington. Yeah. To try and get a gig myself. Oh, God, yeah. Joe's Comedy Man. Yes, which is still on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'll do, like, question time. Yeah. And the blurb on me will be, also star of Joe's Comedy Man. <laughs> Oh, it was bad. I think they still, it's still a venue, I'm sure there's still comedy there, but the Mad Joe of Joe's Comedy Madhouse may not be involved anymore. Mm-hmm. That was the one where they had the bright red light shining as the light, yeah. and it was behind me, and I was comparing. And members of the audience said, We're enjoying the show, but we're feeling nauseous. <laughs> and I told, the, told Joe, and he said, Yes, it's the way we like it, it's traditional. It's traditional that the audience can't laugh properly because they think they might puke. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, well... I wonder. All those old characters that had clubs. Yeah, and he was old school in a different way because he was the the typical um, uh, functioning alcoholic journalist. He was. He used to go and do a couple of hours of solid work and do a couple of hours of solid drinking. Yes, I remember. I was not particularly solid work and then come and run his comedy club. Whew. How are you feeling? Yeah, okay. What, what park are we in now? This is Blondon Park. Right. This park became the extended garden of my local community in lockdown. To this day, if I see someone in this park that I don't recognise, I'm like, excuse me, and you are? <laughs> but that's something I was thinking earlier on when you were saying about just walk until you can run. It's one of the most... And I'm glad I'm saying this because I'm sure it's what Paul would say. One of the most solidly, comprehensively good things about lockdown was the way it celebrated exercise for health. Absolutely. Sure, not everyone did it and not everyone could do it. But for people who accessed walking, running, just being outside day to day and found something good in that, that was just the good outcome of 2020. And there weren't that many. So, uh, so that's good. And also, I, I made um, a bunch of, you know, lovely new friends. Yeah. Uh, by walking my dog, and because the dog walkers seem to have the license to be out. Yes. You know more than anyone else. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just became this, this pack, and. And also, you're a crossover act because you can do the running and the dog walking. Often yeah. those two groups can be a little bit... Uh, yes. can be a bit West Side Story between those two. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Because um, I've seen joggers get so aggro yeah. at friends' dogs. Yeah. And it's like, you do, the park is for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was in lockdown. I was in a park called Pitshanger oh, we- Park where I, work, I walk with... My friend, and there's a few of us. Yeah. Anyway, so this woman was so angry that we're in her way because what happened was they're per- beating their personal best. Oh, because my, that's the biggest snail in the world. That's a slug the size of a foot. We all know that slug. Whoa. Um, and uh, yeah, so that I just thought in lockdown, forget about your personal best. <laughs> You're sharing a park with toddlers. Yeah, that's right. And people at all hours. Yeah, that's the runner's worst behaviour is the beeline, isn't it? And the trouble is that it works at both ends of the running scale because if you're a really fierce runner, yeah. then you do that kind of... Yeah. And you know, this poor, scaredy, 
old person on the pavement going, ah! Or people who've just started out running and they're like, they're too tired to detour. Yes. So they just come down the yes. middle of the pavement going, I'm sorry, yes. but this breathing is going to happen here. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, I enjoy it when I'm running and someone's young dog jumps up at me because they're always ready for me to have a go. Yeah. But I'm like, it's all right, love dogs. Yeah. And then they're all relieved. That would not be my response. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is funny, isn't it? I am part of both worlds. Yeah. Very good, you know. You're a, you're a diplomat. I am a diplomat. Yeah. Maybe you should take your running gear and your dog and hang out around some French and uh, Australian diplomats. See if you can work up any uh, entente cordiale. Well, I do, I do go running with my dog, um, but I can't run with her if I'm trying to beat a time. Right. Because obviously she's not a machine. She wants to stop and chase squirrels and etc. And do you also have the deeply social thing where you see other people with their dogs that you know and then yeah. basically they say dogs... Uh, look like their owners or vice versa but it's more that dogs the owners act like their dogs yes. in that you'll meet other people in the park and kind of sniff around each other for half an hour well you know you do they do say that you get the, the dog that you're karmically suited to so my dog Taylor is really needy doesn't understand rules she's not like I don't get rules you know don't tell me what to do the man it's just literally like I don't know what's going on what, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> she is very like me I read a good news article this morning not a good news article it sounds like something like a flyer <laughs> someone's coming into a bible oh you've heard the good news I read a good news article this morning which was about um, the National Trust Dinton in Wiltshire which they're looking to let the house and fence off some of the park and people are complaining about uh, uh, you know locals don't they still want access to the park there's a really yeah. fantastic view of Salisbury Cathedral and yeah. people talking people there in lockdown people go there to sledge and stuff but the funny thing about it was they kept interviewing dog walkers and it was just slightly ridiculous and had a brilliant subtext of what the place is like yeah they said he spoke to Arthur who was walking his dogs Poppy and Mirabelle and then he said, blah, blah, blah. And then we spoke to uh, Gemma, who was walking her dogs, uh, uh, Chummy and Lala. And she said, duh, duh, duh. And it was just all so lovely. Mm, home county. <laughs> and in the end, I just was just tuned into the dog names and not hearing the article at all. It was just like smoochy. And, and, uh, Do you know what I find Hebelkins, interesting about the south of England? Yeah. Which is very different to the north of England, where... In the north, people are so much more confident about talking to strangers. Yeah. They're not friendlier, they're more confident. Yeah, more gregarious. Uh, yeah, well, to yeah. Be, uh, to be friendly. They'll just, they won't think that, oh, someone thinks I'm a weirdo for chatting to them. But then here, in London, if you're lonely, you've got no friends, yeah. get a dog, and it feels like you're walking around with Beyonce. <laughs> Everyone stops to talk to you. Everyone wants to arrange a... Doggy play date. Yeah, yeah. And it, um, socially, I've got to know more people having a dog than even my kids going to primary school. Yeah, here. or being a comedian. Yeah. You know, where everyone knows each other, but you then then you go away from the gig and da da da. Yeah. 
do you know what? I get really sad about that sometimes. In lockdown, I felt so sad about how much we, well, I have taken comedian friends for granted. Yeah, yeah. And just gone, well, they're a comic friend and I'll see them eventually. Yeah. And then you, you know, a year goes by, more years go by, you find out they've had kids you've never met. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so I make Sometimes you'd be talking and say, and where is Santa? And they say, oh yeah, they left the country. Yeah. You know, oh, oh. I, I won't be seeing them in, <laughs> yeah. in Southampton anytime soon. Yeah, and you just realise that these people have been part of your life for years, but you've just taken it all. That's why I love Edinburgh, you know? Yeah. It feels like we're all in the same house for a while. Yeah. And it is, there is an upside to that um, presumption, isn't there? Because we really are... The gigs and the travel and the similarity of experience really do bond you. So sometimes yeah. you do see someone for the first time in, well, you kind of feels like it was two years and it turns out it was seven. Yes. And you're like, so, you know, you just pick up where you left off. Yes. And that's great. Now, how do you feel about stopping? I think we should stop right now. Oh. We did next to it and came back to Northfield. It's amazing. And I just spent, we actually came under the uh, awning of that beautiful cinema, which I have so many happy memories in. Do you have to go home, or can I buy you a coffee? Um, let's have a coffee, have but before coffee. we go, we should say farewell to it before we have that, you know. Let's, uh, oh, this has been so lovely. Oh, it's been great. Well, thanks for running, and uh, yeah, well, good to have you on the podcast. Oh, do you know what? Honestly, these, I think in lockdown, po podcasts that comics do yeah. have been my friends, <laughs> because in lockdown, I just really missed the company of comics and the stuff <laughs> they talk about and thank you for your podcast because honestly I, it was a huge reason why I've been able to just run 7.5 kilometers and feel completely okay brilliant well thanks thanks for being on this podcast and celebrating that one it's a double win for me Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.